Good morning, everyone. Um, so yes, this morning, to close off our series, we are looking at the preaching of the Bible. Uh, and I have to say, when I saw the, the topics that Steve had planned, when I saw the preaching on preaching, I thought, very interesting. I don't know why I've done that. But having now prepared uh, and thought about it, I think it is actually quite, quite important. Um, and so... Um, I want to pray that God would be with us and in helping us to hear and to recognize his word. Heavenly Father, we ask that this day you would be humbling us as we seek to dwell upon your word, that you would open our eyes, illuminate our minds, engage our hearts. That by your spirit, we might know and experience your love for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I should say, friends, that we're going to be spending most of our time in 1 Timothy 4. But that passage in 2 Corinthians makes a very important point. Uh, When I think back, I have a memory, a vivid memory from kindergarten. Uh, I don't have many, but I have this one. Uh, We were sitting in the school assembly and being six, uh, it doesn't take long for you to get bored and restless. And so I began talking to my friend uh, next to me. Uh, And this is while the principal's talking. And I feel like I hear a pause. I turn and I look at the principal and I see that his eyes are on me. Uh, And I think he just said something to the effect of, Mr. Stocks, please be, you know, please be quiet. Um, You know, just a casual disciplinary thing. Uh, But for me, in my little six-year-old brain, it was like I was standing before the throne of judgment uh, with the eyes of the universe upon me. Um, And I didn't make a peep from from that moment on. Words can carry a great deal of power uh, for many reasons. I mean, in this case, it came from a a figure of authority. You know, the principal, he's the boss, so you need to listen. Perhaps if my friend had spoken to me and told me the same thing, I would have listened or just ignored them. We can think of many occasions where we see authority come through in words. But what kind of authority does preaching have? When someone gets up here after the Bible has been read to speak on it, uh, we know it happens every Sunday. You know, that it's just one of those things we do. But what is the point of it? Is it to just to be taught? Is it to be entertained? Is it to be spiritually led? If I was to ask you, what is the point of preaching? And you had to answer that in your mind. I wonder what you would come up with. And when it comes to the, the idea of preaching and authority, we might... We might be on board with that. We might be hesitant Um, on one kind of side of the spectrum. We might have a view that preaching is just another source of teaching for the Christian life, like reading the Bible or a one-to-one conversation. On the other end of the spectrum, we might have perhaps a higher view. Um, The 16th century Protestant reformers, uh, they were happy to say, pretty strong words, they were happy to say that preaching is truly uh, the word of God. When you hear that, you might be or feel a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, when I hear that and I look at my words, my, you know, feeble words, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Can these really be God's words to us in any way? Of course, what they meant when they said that preaching is the word of God was not that, you know, my sermons, 18280, should be inserted into scripture. Like, heaven forbid that would happen. Uh, but the scriptures... Uh, as God works in them by his spirit, God also works in people. Uh, He also uses people. And in fact, he uses preachers and teachers 
who have been, who are also being worked in by his spirit to uh, teach and to proclaim Christ to the church. And so um, we're going to be thinking about, as we've been thinking about God's word in its nature, uh, in its formation, uh, in its um, trustworthiness, we're thinking about well, why should it be proclaimed? And it's particularly why proclaimed here on the Sunday uh, gathering. See, just as the Bible needs to be read together, I believe it must also, it's important that it is proclaimed, it is preached. And that is actually essential to the minister's task, to their authority. I hope that'll come out as I speak more on this. But these are the scriptures that indeed bear God's authority. So to some degree, we will be able to say that preaching is the word of God, but we need to understand what that, what that really means. Uh, because it isn't, and the short answer to that is, it is not about me. It's not about my words. It's about the message we have here. And so, first we have the need for preaching. Uh, I could just reference uh, verse, I think it's verse, it's verse 12. Goodness. Uh, this is why you have it in the script. Uh, verse 12, which says, um, sorry, verse 13, which says, devote yourself to the reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. We say, it's there. You know, so there you go. Preaching is necessary. Or uh, last week's passage from 2 Timothy 4, you know, preach the word, be ready in and out of season. But it's helpful to think about why. We do that. What function does preaching serve? Uh, it's probably been, um, well, it has been taught over the last few weeks that the church, you know, the body of Christ is a creation, right, of God's word. That we've heard the gospel message, it's converted, it's transformed us, it's brought us together as a body. And so the church fundamentally meets together to meet around God's word. That is what Christian worship is. When we think about what is worship Really, as a Christian, well, it's about hearing God's word. It's about you know, imbibing it, reflecting upon it, and then responding to it. Because God has spoken. Uh, he has spoken through the scriptures in what Jesus has done in the past, what Jesus is going to do in the future. And as we've seen as a living and inspired word of God, what Jesus continues to do in us today. So that's why we gather. That's why we have a public reading of scripture. And I believe that is why there is a need for for preaching, particularly to allow the truths of Scripture to be brought to bear in our lives. Because we might think, well, why, why would we bother having Scripture if we, have, if we understand that... Um, sorry, why would we bother having preaching if we believe that Scripture is clear, right? We have a doctrine that Scripture is uh, the perspicu- perspicuity of Scripture, right? The Scripture has a clarity to it that we can comprehend it when we read it out, that you don't need to have a PhD or be part of a special kind of priestly class to interpret it. Uh, occasionally we might kind of think that way or think kind of let ourselves off the hook and uh, think, oh, I'll just leave it to the experts, let them do the hard work. I want to say we must not do that because there are many with degrees, uh, you know, who will indeed leverage their expertise to distort what the scriptures say. There are many who teach the scriptures faithfully who have degrees, but it's not, it's not a matter of um, expertise. That's not what preaching is about. I mean, Jesus, when he speaks to his audience, he expects them to know what the scriptures are saying. And so we, we believe that the scripture, you know, the Bible's read, that we can understand it. It stands on its own and it can work. It can change lives. When I talk about the Bible, I am not improving the word of God in any way. So we think, well, why bother why bother preaching? Why not just read the scriptures? 
on the point, there is some uh, extent to which it involves instruction. Uh, we might think of the Ethiopian eunuch who meets Philip uh, in Acts, and he's reading Isaiah 53, and he does not understand what it means, and he asks Philip to interpret it. Philip does, and of course then points him to Jesus, which should be a good signal that all preaching is ultimately about Jesus because the Scriptures are pointing to him. And of course, while Scripture is clear on its side, our interpretations, both individual and collective, are not faultless. Some interpretations are, in fact, better than others. And we want to handle the Word of God carefully, don't we? And so that is why it's good to raise up teachers who've been trained and spend time thinking deeply about what the Scriptures have to say and how they apply. But preaching is important beyond just clarification. Uh, Even the greatest, most knowledgeable Christian, I believe, and preacher should be sitting under the authority of God uh, and, and others preaching at times. It has to do with the application, with applying the word to the immediate hearers. It is truth with an impact. And I think one final reason that preaching is necessary, as Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians 5, is the time is short. Now is the day of salvation. He's an ambassador of the gospel. He's carrying the gospel message. And he wants people to know that. He lays it out for them because he wants them to respond. But what about preaching? Like, what is, what is it really when we kind of bring it down to like a kind of definition? Like, what, if we know what it is, then we understand what it will be for why it is a useful thing and a God-given thing. Because preaching is more than just a person getting up and talking about the Bible. Uh, I'll speak of, of kind of two general traps of what people kind of, can kind of imagine preaching to be uh, that kind of reveal the necessary ingredients by what is missing. The first is when we think that preaching is just about uh, being charismatic, about inspiring and moving people. When I was in high school, uh, we had... Uh, inspirational speaker come along and I have to say he was probably one of the best speakers in terms of um, his public speaking ability that I've ever seen, well, ever seen and heard. Uh, he, had, he had you hanging off every one of his words, he did two big talks uh, and by the end, you know, I was pumped up and I was ready for life. You know, by the, by, by the next day, uh, I couldn't actually really remember what the whole point of it was. I think it had, something, it had, to, it had to do with achieving your goals. And it was literally the next day when I was chatting with another friend about it. Uh, See, we can be emotionally very moving, but if we're light on the truth, or in this case, when it comes to preaching, light on scriptural content, uh, something has gone wrong. That's like, if you think of preaching as food, it's like having fairy floss. Uh, It might be easy to digest, it might be sweet, but it's not going to nourish you. It is not going to be good food for the soul. That's preaching with exhortation, but without truth. On the other hand, you can have preaching that has a lot of truth, but not much in the way of kind of exhortation and a need for response. Uh, I think that can sometimes be uh, a trap that Anglicans fall into, as we like to preach, because we value the truth highly. Uh, And you might have been in um, and heard sermons that felt a little bit more like a lecture uh, and had that strong feel to that. Uh, and, And the truth is important. We must have the truth. But the truth without a response that has no weight to it, I would say, to go back to my food analogy, uh, is to have kind of wheat bix without any milk or, or any liquid, right? It's, the nutrition value is kind of the same, but it's not really easy to digest. Uh, truth 
and exhortation must come together in God's word. And we see that, don't we? If we look at 1 Timothy 4.11, command and teach those things. Verse 13, uh, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Uh, A fellow called Joel Beek gives a good definition of what good preaching is and what we should aspire to. That faithful preaching is when the preacher receives God's word into his heart and then proclaims it to the minds, hearts and lives of his people. It's a heart-to-heart preaching. It's truth that makes a difference. And when we talk about making a difference, we don't just mean things you can do. It can involve that, like repent or stop this or, or, you know, you need to do that now. But it can also be uh, in terms of, you know, the way we feel, our attitude. uh, As uh, God tells Jeremiah, no, Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah 40, comfort my people uh, with my word. He's doing something and it's causing a response, but it's to be comfort. And when we think about what, what is preaching really for, it involves lots of things, right? Uh, in moving us, teaching us God's truth, teaching us what his will. But what's the, what's the bullseye? What's the heart of what we want to see? Well, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? About his love for us and what he has done for us. I mean, that's Paul's whole point in um, 2 Corinthians 5, the gospel of reconciliation, that Christ, the righteous, has died for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's why Paul's whole ministry, our ministry, is a ministry of reconciliation, which to some degree makes it not really, it's not really about us at all, right? We're just the messenger that carries the precious thing. When you have a the postman come to the door with a gift you've been waiting for, uh, it's not, I mean, you're excited to see him or her, but you're not, it's not about them, it's about what they're holding, And that is the task of preaching. It's about holding out Jesus. That Jesus would be truly known as the Savior and served as Lord. And so the scripture is always about bringing us back to the living word of Christ. And so for that reason, no matter what the text is, no matter what the topic is, if it doesn't interact with the gospel um, or land in the gospel in some way, I think something has gone wrong when we hear a sermon. Um, that doesn't touch on Jesus and what he's done. It doesn't always have to be the same script, but actually it, if it doesn't come back to Jesus and find itself in kind of the big story of the scriptures, something's gone wrong because Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Uh, and so to some extent, I've given you the tools in which to analyze our future sermons. Um, but when we think about the, the, the person preaching, that's important too, pastoral authority, because preaching is to be as a shepherd. Uh, and perhaps what has become somewhat lost in modern kind of church thinking, or a little bit more ambiguous, is what a minister is supposed to do. Um, there's often expectations, and there's all sorts of books that say what pastors should be doing. Uh, perhaps it's inspiring and leading people, or establishing and nurturing church systems, raising up teams, you know, just keeping the wheels spinning. Uh, there's a joke, um, that's sometimes said by ministers, that uh, you know, the modern require... Uh, sorry, the modern requirement for a minister is to be Jesus with an MBA, um, a business degree. Uh, those things aren't unimportant, but we need to come back to the fundamental task of what the preacher or the minister is to do, and that's to shepherd God's people. Uh, and that is a key part of what preaching is doing. The, the, the model of scripture for pastoral authority is that the minister is not a CEO, uh, they're not a king, they're not a guru. But they are a shepherd. We get that straight from 1 Peter 5, uh, from Acts 20, 
from you know, Jesus himself as the good shepherd under which we sit. It's important to have that clear in our minds because the way we think about the, the minister's task in preaching uh, will shape the kind of the, both the content of the preaching and the way it's to be received. Because if we, you know, the minister thinks of themselves as the boss and perhaps you've been in a sermon where they, it kind of comes across that way, it's about you know, my word to be followed, my word to be obeyed. It's about cementing their power and authority. But that isn't really what preaching is about. And that's why the shepherd image is really uh, helpful and important, I think. It kind of gets to the heart of the, the minister's task. Because everything the shepherd does is to be out of concern and love the sheep. Right? They, they, what do they shepherd do? They, they feed and they make sure that the sheep are looked after. They lead them to safe places. Um, they lead them away from hazards. Uh, you know, they bonk the wolves on the nose um, to protect them. And that extends to, to preaching. Uh, my task and, and the preacher's task is to speak the truth of Christ to you in order to love you. And sometimes that means to, you know, to nourish you in the truth of the gospel. Sometimes to comfort you. Uh, to encourage you to keep standing firm, to urge you to um, uh, imitate Jesus, and even the sting of rebuke that sometimes, and correction that sometimes I think it is important for, for preachers to give, that's ultimately to be for our good, for your good. Because really it's about staying on the path heading towards Jesus. You know, the truth spoken in love that is centered on Christ. And that is what Paul, I think, means when in verse 16 he says, Persevere in these things. If you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Um, you know, I'm not saving you. Jesus is the one who does that. But I'm, hopefully, I'm leading you to him. Uh, and indeed, we're always being led to him when, um, when the sermons are preached here in this church. But that also speaks, therefore, of, of a weight and an authority to, to preaching, um, that we are carrying God's message, we are carrying Christ's words. Uh, I have a high view of that. Um, I think we, you know, I've been called and appointed to this place to love and to serve you by speaking God's word to you and pointing you to Jesus. And so I think that God has given me authority, but it's not authority that comes by any compulsion or force or manipulation. Uh, it's completely borrowed. It is completely dependent upon my faithfulness to the word. If I say anything, anything about kind of spiritual matters that does not correspond with the scripture, you should, you should ignore, you shouldn't just ignore, you should must ignore what I have to say. Because pastors, we need to be sitting humbly under the chief shepherd because uh, you are not mine, you are not Stephen's, you are Christ's. And indeed, the scriptures tell us that preachers will be uh, judged more strictly uh, for what they say and for how they live. And so I need to watch my words carefully and I need to look and think about God's words carefully and be relying entirely on the scriptures as I seek to um, encourage you to follow Jesus. And it's therefore also really important to notice that preaching cannot be separated from the person speaking, and the life, I should say, of the person who is speaking. We can often value competency over character. Um, and competency is very important, but character even more so. Look at all the times in this passage that, that Paul makes reference to Timothy's own faith. 
Uh, back in verse 6, he says he, that Timothy has his own personal faith being nourished on the truths of Scripture. Uh, 7 to 8, he speaks of godliness that Timothy needs to pursue. Uh, and of course, um, verse 12, to set an example in belief, in, uh, sorry, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Um, your life and your doctrine are on display. And we can forget about character. Um, I, I think back to an American preacher 12 years or so ago, and he was the big thing of the day. And he was definitely one of the best preachers in terms of um, charisma that I had ever heard. He could hold people's attention for an hour or more. His illustrations were reasonably quite, you know, quite excellent. And in terms of the way he spoke about truths, he was so compelling. And I would, you know, if I was to have a list of my beliefs and his, I would tick off on so many of the things that he proclaimed. And you would hear certain things about kind of his character and he could be brash. But, you know, even, even around that time, people would say, well, look at all the things that he is doing for Jesus. Of course, that all comes to a head. Um, and behind the scenes, eventually, it involves him stepping down from the church and it being revealed that um, in many ways he was a bully. Um, and he used the ministry of the church as his own platform and it tore the church apart. Uh, many were deeply hurt and indeed many, in fact, walked away from the faith. And that is a tragic and terrible thing. And character, my friends, character matters. And that, let's not think that can just happen to big and American megachurch. That can happen uh, in small churches. Um, and so we must be um, thinking, and, and as ministers, that's a big call for us to be putting our lives on display. Uh, a word of wisdom I got from Connor talking to him um, after this, the sermon I gave earlier uh, this morning was that, um, so, so helpful. He said that people, you know, this is for any teacher, whether you're doing scripture or youth or, or preaching, uh, people aren't going to remember everything that you say, right? Later, 10 years later, uh, maybe even a day later. Um, people aren't going to remember everything you say, but they are going to remember you and what you were like and how you acted. They're going to remember if you cared about what you were saying and they're going to remember how you lived. Um, our life and our faith are on display, and they must be on display. And so that then speaks of the relational importance of preaching, doesn't it? Uh, we spoke of uh, Timothy Keller before, a wonderful preacher. If you put my sermon and his sermon up at the same time, um, he said, choose one, you know, probably choose Timothy. But um, why is it that we don't just get his sermons up uh, on, on the screen to play for you guys? That, that's because the relational aspect really matters. We are in this place together. And so when I speak these words, they are for you. And that's really important uh, to, to remember um, as, we, as we sit under God's word together. Finally, I want to think about listening as the flock. Um, how should I think about the words being spoken and, and proclaimed? Um, it's important to say that we're not just, you don't, we're not just like receptacles and passive, um, nor are we to be kind of obstinate? Um, we believe that when we're preaching and proclaiming and, we're, and when I'm saying things in line with the scriptures, um, that it isn't just the, my opinion or opinions of Steve or Stephen or Paul, uh, but this is God's word spoken by God. So when I say repent and trust in the Lord Jesus, that is God speaking to you. And so I would advocate whenever we're listening to be prayerfully 
and engaged in listening. We want prayerful, engaged listening as we hear God's word taught and proclaimed. And that comes from our attitude to the person of God himself. Uh, I wonder if you've ever gone into a conversation with your mind already made up and no matter what the person has said, the words just kind of, you know, bounce off you. Um, Well, we need to have an attitude whenever we come to church and sit and to hear from his word, that we are hearing from God. We're not here to be entertained, but that God is being, that God is speaking. And, And so key to that is, uh, our focus upon the message and what is being said. Um, and what an encouraging thing uh, my, one of my mentors once said, um, remember that even a bad sermon, you can learn a lot from a bad sermon. Uh, it can remind you of something good or teach you something new. So what I mean is even if you know, my style or another preacher's style isn't up your alley, even if they're not focusing on what things you would want to focus on, It's important to be ready to hear what God has to say. And sometimes listening can be hard. uh, We can get distracted. um, But it's important to remember that when we hear God's word, we're hearing it together. uh, And perhaps I can't think of many things more important in terms of the words we hear in a week. And so prepare to hear God's word before church. Pray before you come to church. Read the passage that's going to be preached at church. Reflect upon it. And I want to say, again, that engaged listening does not mean passively accepting what I have to say. We want to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, who receive the words of all eagerness, and then what do they do? They check what it says against Scripture. We must be discerning and have our Bibles open. Uh, I do not mind if you you disagree with what what I've said. I, I want to see us engaging in God's Word together, because these things are not trivial. Uh, Rat poison, reading about rat poison, uh, and I discovered um, that apparently it's sweet to the taste, which makes sense, right? You have little pellets and little cakes, so the rats will actually come and eat the stuff and then die. That's what makes it obviously so dangerous. Uh, And it makes it dangerous to humans as well, uh, to to children or to someone. Apparently people use it to poison other people. Anyway, uh, because it mixes into the food. But that aside, false teaching, right? Going back to that food analogy, false teaching is rat poison. It can take different forms. Uh, If you read 1 and 2 Timothy, you just see that there is constantly Paul's reminding Timothy of the danger of false teaching that he has to go against. Because it can be a distortion of who God is himself, like saying Jesus isn't God. It can be a um, distortion of Jesus' work, right? In uh, 2 Timothy, uh, there are people claiming that the resurrection has already happened. I don't know why, but there are people doing it. Uh, And it can be a distortion of God's will as we see uh, in so many areas in our current culture today. And just as the task of preaching is to refute error, the task of as we listen is to be discerning because we're talking about matters of life and death, of everlasting life and of judgment. And so to kind of draw things together, God has spoken. Are we listening? God speaks when he gives us his word that we read out. And he speaks when the preacher is faithful to the task. Um, The aim of preaching is to be the truth that's spoken in love and that is centered on on Christ. So my prayer is that we would be good listeners, not because of anything that I'm doing, per se, but because of the wonderful message that we have um, in Christ and in the gospel. And I hope that as we think about this series, it would just lead us to such a, a greater love 
for the word of God. I close in prayer. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Please help us to meditate on on your words and to love them. Father, we thank you that you have spoken and that you will accomplish what you intend to by your word uh, and that you work through people. We thank you for the people who have um, mediated um, and taught us and instructed us in the faith and shown the gospel to us. And I pray that we would be a church that would cling tightly to your word, that we would see it as the most important thing that we can be doing, that when we're drawing together, that we can hear from you, the living God. I pray that we as preachers would be faithful to your word, both in our life and in our action, that we would be open and transparent. I pray that by your spirit, you'll be working in us to want to seek your word, to, to want to read it and engage with it and reflect and to love it. And I pray in all this, your son would be glorified and we would be led to him together. In his name be the glory. Amen.